So the rule of thumb for insurance is you want to cover everyone. So the only thing that I know for sure is that when you die. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome back, Right Club Nation, for another episode of the Right Club Podcast. It's Alfonso Salemi here with Sarah Larby. How's it going, Sarah? It's going well. It's going well. I'm uh, I'm excited about today's show, and you know, also my, I'm excited about how uh, how things are progressing with uh, with my burr in Burlington. So it's going well. But yeah, what about you? Yeah, you know what? It's uh, today's show is really going to be a, really going to be a little bit of a different approach than our normal shows. We have a financial planner. Ooh, financial planner. No, it's not a bad word, guys. We actually have uh, I found a financial planner that invests in real estate herself uses real estate as part of the portfolio, but from a bigger picture. As we kind of evolve in, in, our, in our careers and in, in real estate investing, we want other things that complement um, the, the real estate investing as well too. So she's gonna talk a little bit about you know, the different things out there. You know, it's not necessarily a dirty word, but you know, mutual funds and RSPs and all that kind of stuff. How you can complement that, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been going really well. The the online community is launched. It's up. It's really really ready to go. Uh, we want more interaction, more people involved. You know, we talked about in the podcast as well too. Is the network is your net worth and asking people that are a little bit ahead of you or or have done the things that you want to do or maybe asking the things of people that they have done it and you're thinking of doing that so that's where we're really trying to grow the online online businesses where we can connect more and more people so that they can have that access to information access to people's experiences yeah absolutely and uh megan and i connected on instagram and i just absolutely loved what she was able to do because for me, I'm a big believer in using and paying somebody upfront for advice that does not benefit them, but true advice that benefits me or or you, right? So oftentimes, a lot of the financial advisors get paid commissions on selling mutual funds. And I, I seriously, like it is like, and I'm so sorry, like I'm, I don't want to get emails from like, you know, financial advisors and this, I, like I'm sure there's some great ones, but if I were to do it for myself, I would do fee, fee only upfront fee, get the information that you need. And that's it. Essentially, they set you up with the best plan in your best interest and they're not making money off of it on the back end. Yeah. You know, there's that old saying, never ask a barber if you need a haircut, you know, and the person that's only has three products to sell, whether, you know, it's mutual funds or RSPs or, or other funds, if that's all they're selling, of course, they're going to tell you that's the best thing for them. Or if you go into the bank, they're going to tell you their products are the best. So really reaching out to somebody that, you know, is not, has no financial tie into what you invest in. They just, she just wants you to know what the best thing is for you. So we really think this, uh, this podcast is going to be beneficial. Make sure that, um, that you, you like it, you rate it, give us your feedback. We want to hear from you, the right club nation as we grow and expand across this country. We want to hear from each and individual of you guys and girls to make sure that we're doing the best that we can. And, uh, yeah, and, and this is how we find amazing guests like today is through people reaching out to us and talking to us. So if you want to be a guest on the podcast, definitely reach out. Absolutely. So what do you say? Let's meet Megan Chomut, and this is going to be awesome. You guys ready? Alfonso, you ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's get All to right, it. All right, let's do it. Welcome, Megan, to the show. How are you? 
I'm doing really good. Thank you, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So I'm really excited because this is going to be a little bit of a different show. And as a real estate investor, a lot of my money and my planning is in real estate investing. There's so much more than real estate investing in your overall plan. But before we get started, Megan, can you tell us a little bit of what you do and, and how that relates to investors? Okay, so a little bit about my background is I'm also a real estate investor. I have my own business where I'm a fee-only fee certified financial planner. So I have my own practice helping families that have rental properties as part of their portfolio navigate the debt, the saving, the taxes, and how they can all work together. Um, I'm also a mom, and I'm from Thunder Bay. Right on, right on. Let's unpack that just a little bit. So for those, uh, the Right Club Nation, for the people listening to the podcast, why don't you kind of describe what that means, a fee-only uh, certified financial planner? So what it means is I don't sell any products. So if I recommend insurance or maybe opening some sort of investment account, like an RSP or a tax-free savings account, it isn't because I'm going to monetarily benefit from that recommendation it's because you truly need it as part of your overall financial plan the only people who pay me are the people who i'm helping i'm not getting any outside money from any other company or person and that that sounds great i don't know why everybody doesn't do that because it seems like you know when we're talking about you know the different types of investing real estate and you know rsps and mutual funds and stock market and all that kind of stuff it seems like the people that are quote unquote like selling you those products are the ones that benefit and i know you know in the right clubs rooms we always joke around yeah you can people can make money on mutual funds the people selling them <laughs> right but that sounds really great that you actually have the the best interest for your client so whether it's ABC insurance or XYZ mutual fund, you're placing them what's beneficial for them, not just what you offer. And I think that's that kind of correlates to what the Right Club does is everybody has their own different specific strategies in real estate. Like Sarah does the birth strategy. I do the rent to own strategy. We both think our strategy is the best strategy, but we both look at each other and say, well, no, that's really great. That birth strategy is awesome. Hey, that rent to own is awesome. But you're kind of putting that big picture together for your client. So what is your typical client come to you for, look for, what does what your typical client look like today? I feel like I have two typical clients now. So I have the one client who is a young family, maybe not a young family, but they are a family, they're busy with kids, they happen to have a rental property, whether it was something that they consciously decided to do or something that kind of just happened to them, whether it was when the, they first got together they each had their own separate houses and then they just decided to keep one when they moved in together and kind of navigating, was that a smart choice? Did we make a mistake? Does, does this even cash flow because on taxes it doesn't, but does it? Like they're just kind of confused as how it plays a role in their overall financial piece. And then I have the other typical client who might have three rental properties it's working for them. It seems to be the route that they're going to take. And they're wondering for their next property if they should incorporate. Should they maybe think more business mentality about this? Because they do still work nine to five. The rental property is just an investment piece as part of their portfolio. It isn't their 
excuse me, it isn't their job. That's really interesting. So, you know, in the incorporation part, a lot of people ask me that question, should I incorporate? And usually my answer is actually go ask your mortgage broker, your accountant, and your lawyer, because all three will give you their own point of view based on where they're coming from. And sometimes it's actually very confounding um, and opposite views. And then you have to like look at that and weigh them. But, but it actually would also simplify it if then they go to you and say, here are the pros and cons of what everyone told me that I went to talk to. And then you can create that plan with them and help guide them because you know, your mortgage broker might say, if we're going to go with Scotia, don't do it in a corporation because the refinancing and the terms are a lot easier. Your lawyer might say, yeah, go ahead and incorporate. You're protecting yourself or, or whatnot. I mean, you're, you're, Ideally, in my opinion, insurance insurance is, is there for that too. And then your accountant might say, for tax reasons, it might make sense for you to do it. But there's pros and cons, and you talked about the cash flow and all of that. So I think it's it's not a one size fits all. What are some of the what are some of the mistakes though that you see your clients making that maybe there's there's an investor, maybe they fall into your first or second bucket? Well, what are some of the main things that you say, like let's re replan and here is some of the maybe the biggest challenges or the biggest mistakes that you see? Some of the biggest mistakes that I see are people using depreciation as a tax saving tool, not realizing that it comes into, it's actually a long-term tax deferral tool. (laughs) So yes, using depreciation now is going to save you money, but you need to pay back that tax later on. Should you sell the property? Um, And maybe there are strategies there. So they've used the depreciation to help them out in the moment. But maybe they've also kind of used an RSP because when you deposit to an RSP, it gives you your tax rate back. So for example, if your tax rate is 30%, if you put a a dollar into an RSP, you're going to get 30 cents back in the refund. But that RSP contribution room is really invaluable when you go to sell your property if you're under a certain age where you could have. So there's strategies that you need to be aware of now that will affect you later kind of idea. So the depreciation piece, if you're using that piece, don't use RSP or don't max out on it for sure because you're going to need that room when you go to sell the property. The other mistake that I see is when real estate investors are doing crunching their numbers and they forget important numbers like vacancy (laughs) because that will mess up the whole cash flow. So you thought this property was going to positively cash flow and then you forgot to account for vacancy, which doesn't always mean the apartment is empty. It could mean the apartment is empty, but they've chosen not to pay you. Yeah, it's 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 being tenanted but not being paid. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I know, I know. Um, I always say that you get into the situations of the landlord tenant board, which is a whole another conversation. But I, I like the approach that you take from like a full full spectrum of you know, it's not only what that tax deferral, like you said, or that depreciation tax deferral, what it's doing today. Like you get that those advantages today, but it's also what are the impacts in the future. Right. So I, I think, you know, a lot of the real estate investors, we, we focus on, you know, the next year, two years, three years on that current project that we have in front of us. But I think from a bigger perspective of what they, a lot of us are trying to achieve is that, quote unquote, that retirement or that, you know, that passive income where, you know, it's covering our expenses on a monthly basis. 
So talk about a little bit about not only the real estate investing, but also there are other products that maybe can complement or assist when we are investing in real estate. I think making sure that everything is separate. So if you have multiple properties, make sure that those properties are all separate and separate bank accounts, having a separate contingency fund for each of those properties. And if you only have one property, make sure that that property is separate from your personal stuff. So it's important in in life to have an emergency fund. It's important for your rental property to also have an emergency fund. So when things happen, like people don't pay rent or they're late or an unexpected bill comes up, that there's a contingency there. So you aren't dipping into your personal. So that's kind of where I see with my clients, the confusion lies is sometimes I'm subsidizing the rental. Sometimes the rental subsidizing me. And there's these blurry lines where if you have everything separate, then it's not so confusing. Keeping things organized is, is just key. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that, that is really interesting. And, and one of the things I do want to ask, because you, you probably do get this question quite a bit from investors, is when you look at the big picture, how much of your investments proportionately, ideally, in your opinion, are to be in real estate versus potentially paper assets versus potentially even insurance, right? And so when you look at the picture, is sometimes they say when it comes to mutual funds or stocks or et cetera, you want to have a certain percentage based on your risk tolerance and that kind of stuff. So what's your advice on that? My advice is so annoying. I mean, I'm going to be so annoying and I'm going to say that it, it depends. So for example, I have a different needs. I have different capacity and I have different capabilities than you do. So um, I might not have the capacity to have 10 properties because I have four kids. I have my own business. I only have so many brain cells. Like I just can't do it. So with that brings on the debt piece, the cash flow piece. And it's saying, because you, you can't, you just don't have the capacity for that. You need to save in another way, whether it's a mutual fund, an EFT, or even just in a savings account. But working backwards, I feel like always helps. So if you know you want to retire at a certain day, then what does your income need to be? And then work backwards. So if you can complement that income with your current real estate portfolio, then maybe just saving in a conventional savings account would be fine. But if you need to boost that income by, let's say, three more thousand dollars a month to your pocket, not rent, because there's going to be expenses there, but maybe that does mean that you need three more properties. Or maybe that does mean that you need to save $100 a month for the next 10 years to get there. So it kind of all depends. I just say work from, work backwards from where you want to be. And, and I think we, we get that advice a lot as real estate investors because everybody's situation is a little bit different. Everybody's goals are a little bit different. What they want to accomplish is a little bit different. Some people, like I see it with, with different joint venture partners that we work with. Some want to be completely retired. Some just want an extra vacation a year. Some are looking to put some money away for their, their children's future schooling somewhere down the line, right? So it's hard to give kind of blanket advice to every single investor. But 
when you when you're working with these different investors, what are some of the strategies that you're like, you know, you're implementing or you're saying, hey, this can help. Let's give a couple different situations where somebody that has less than five investment properties and they're looking to grow or, or to to complement what they're currently doing, and, and you know, without using that many more brain cells or buying another five or ten more properties that they can do kind of passively. Well, and it's interesting because I can use my own self as a case study for this. So when I first bought our first rental, it was a duplex. And the goal for that rental was to subsidize our snowbird lifestyle. So we live in Thunder Bay. The winters here are rough. And if we can escape two, three, four months a year when we're retired to go enjoy the tropics, that's what that property was designed to do. And then we had our third baby and our goals suddenly changed immediately. So instead of, so as a financial planner, I'm putting my planner hat on. I don't really know if I want to go back to work full time after this baby. Now with three kids, I don't know. So now our goals have changed. Can this property subsidize our lifestyle till I figure that out? And it was just this transition of life right so that's what that property started out as and then life gets in the way and now it's changed so we're saying can that property help us out achieve x goal now and we'll we'll revisit the snowbird lifestyle once we get through this stage and then once we got through that stage it was like we're crunching the numbers and we can burn that property so the question is what makes more sense to burn the property or to maybe sell the property. Like we had to look at the numbers in terms of the money in our pocket, the tax implications, but also by selling the property, you're giving up the rent. So do you sell the goose? Like it's all those questions. In the end, what we decided to do was refinance that property, take out the equity and buy another property. And the only way that we were able to feel more confident with that decision was knowing that that property has a goal, this next property has a goal, and all those eggs are supplementing something. Their goal, they have a name to them instead of just calling them rent paychecks. Yeah, that, that's really interesting how you put all that together. And, and also how you might have a goal and then you revisit your goal and you might tweak your goal. How often should we be meeting with a financial planner to go over our goals? The standard rule is once a year, but I feel like depending on what stage of life you're in, it might be as soon as something material changes. So that might be getting married, getting divorced, having a kid. There's all these other things. If something happens in your personal life, like your parent gets sick, your friend gets injured. Those are all really good triggers to meet with somebody and say, Hey, do I have protection for this or I'm worried or all those questions? Yeah, absolutely. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas. And for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right. And Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. 
Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life. But when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. So I know Alfonso has a question, but I'm just curious when it comes to insurance and, you know, protection and all of that. I mean, there's term, there's life, there's, you know, like whole life, et cetera, et cetera. And you hear all of these different things. And then there's mortgage insurance, which I absolutely hate for many, many reasons, but I am not the expert. You are the expert. What do you recommend when it comes to insurance and your recommendation? Because now you're not making any money off this stuff. An insurance person that makes money off this stuff, maybe they're biased, right? Your opinion? We're on the same page with mortgage insurance. So mortgage insurance, it's not that I hate it. There's absolutely a place for everything, but it's expensive. And if you can qualify for your own insurance, you should get it. So, well, because the other problem with mortgage insurance is that as your mortgage gets paid down, you're still paying that same amount. You don't get, you don't get the underwriting part done until you have a claim, which at that point in time, they could easily reject it. And then if you, if you bought a house for like a million and you only have a hundred thousand dollars left, they're only going to pay you that hundred thousand dollars, right? They're not going to pay you that whole million, which is what you originally got covered for. So to me, it's a way for them to protect themselves, not you to protect yourself. You're absolutely right. That is exactly it. So I am on the same page where you should go out and get your own insurance. So the rule of thumb for insurance is you want to cover everyone. So the only thing that I know for sure is that when you die, there's a lot of people who love you who are going to be sad. That's what's going to happen. And if you can help them by providing them some monetary support while they are, can be sad, it's invaluable. So replacing things like your income, replacing things like your mortgage payment. So maybe let's just wipe out that mortgage payment for them forever. So let's pay off your principal residence. Let's cover your funeral. Let's cover, if you have, let's say you have two kids, let's put them through school so that that spouse or whatever doesn't have to worry about that. The people who are supporting everybody that you've left behind. So it's crunching those numbers for the rental properties. Maybe you don't cover them because maybe they cash flow. So you don't really need to wipe out the debt for those, but maybe that's another thing that you, maybe if it makes the difference of $10 in premium, it's worth it. Let's just pay off that one rental. And then that whole rent check will go into your pocket. It's having those discussions that you'll know how much you should be covered for. Term makes the most sense because it's affordable, but in terms of your whole portfolio and your state needs, it kind of depends. But term is definitely easy and it's affordable. Well, and, and that's why I love what you're doing is because it's like you're that coach or that person or that confidant or that advisor that doesn't have a vested stake into a specific product, right? Where you're looking at it as if, okay, if this was Megan, if this was myself, 
and you had six properties and you had a couple RSPs and three children that you're looking at that full picture and really diagnosing it to that specific person's needs. When we're doing financial planning or coaching for our tenant buyers, our clients that are trying to exit, we're looking at their specific needs on what they need to do for their income, their down payment, their credit score in terms of qualifying for a mortgage. But now you're looking at from kind of like the higher end of, you do have multiple rental properties, you do have other investments, you do have a plan of whether it's replacing income. So maybe kind of let us know, like let's rewind a little bit. How did you get involved with it? Like obviously there's a huge need. I'm hearing all these questions. I'm like, you know, after this podcast, we're booking a call because I want you to kind of look at my own personal. So how do you, how did you get started in that? And how did you find that need? Like to and kind of zero in on what you're doing now. It's funny because the whole reason I started it is because I needed a me. So I was working for a large financial institution when I bought my first property. And when I was considering it, I went to the my partners at the firm and I was like, I'm thinking we're doing this. Like, what do you think? And they all were like, I don't think it's a good idea. There's so much risk. Tenants are going to wreck your place. They're not going to pay you. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to do it anyway, though. So I went ahead and I did it anyways. And when I ran into my first problem, I felt like I didn't have anybody to ask because they had already told me it was a bad idea. So I couldn't go to them. And so I was like, okay, i got to put on my own hat now, my advisor hat, and say, okay, what am I, what makes sense here? Because I feel a little bit overwhelmed. I don't know what I've done. Maybe I have made a terrible mistake. And little things would come up. So I remember one Christmas, one of our tenants, there was a problem with the heat. We're on our way to some family event. The tenant needs heat. So it's like, oh, for, now we've got to go to the property. So we got to go there. We're late for our Christmas thing. And it's like, forget it. We're just going to sell it. Like, this is too much work and it's ruining my life. <laughs> and then my husband was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause he's my, he's my handyman. He's not in the numbers. He doesn't really know. He's an artist. He doesn't know the number side of things. That's kind of my, where I come in and he'd be like, yeah, okay. Then we'll have a lot, like, then we'll make a lot of money and then we'll have some money when we sell it and then I'd be like, I have to put the advisor hat on and say, okay, do we sell the goose and give up the eggs? Like, uh, does that make sense? And so I needed a me, I needed somebody who wasn't attached to the inconvenience of having to go to a property when a tenant calls, when you're having these uh, disagreements with your spouse about how much work the property is and if it was a smart investment and you need somebody in there to say, okay, let's sell the goose. It's not worth the egg. Or just a reminder that those eggs are going to grow every year and your your debt on that property is going to go down every year, giving you capacity to either keep the whole egg or to buy more gooses. (laughs) So absolutely. The mortgage pay down piece, I think a lot of people forget about that, but like you put in 20%, five to 6% of your money, essentially. That's what it is, right? You get five to 6% mortgage pay down. Plus you might get three to 4% appreciation. Like on that, on that piece alone, I'm like, that is better than the mutual fund. But the other thing to note is that depending on who you ask, they're probably going to say, don't do it. Also, because that means you're taking the money away from their paycheck 
and they're earning those commissions. And then all of a sudden you're investing in something else that they get no money on. Well, and the follow-up question that I had while you're telling that story, all those people that were telling you that it was a bad idea and they're not going to pay you, were any of them financially independent or free? Yeah, well, and that's a great question. One of the rules that I made, which I've only broken a couple of times, is when I'm working with my team, so my mortgage broker, my lawyer, all those pieces, is they also have to have rental properties. So, because I want somebody who's also needs a them. So they know that all the tax implications, they know the questions to ask on the legal side. They know the best rates and the best kind of mortgage because they themselves are looking for that for themselves. And it's kind of like the parenting thing. Like if you have a newborn who won't sleep, you don't go ask somebody who has pets. You ask somebody who is a couple stages ahead of you with maybe a two-year-old and say, how did you get your baby to sleep? Because, and I have broken that rule and every single time I regretted it. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the interesting part of, of being, you know, part of the right club or, or, or being in those rooms, being on the online community is that there are people that have done it. Like there's, there's the thousands of people that have done it and we're not by ourselves. We're not independent anymore. We can, we can kind of group together. We're all, you know, independent businesses or solopreneurs, but we can kind of team together and say, okay, these things work for Megan. These things work for Sarah. These things work for Alfonso. What's going to work for me. I'm going to take the best of the best, but the other side is all the negative things too that, okay, well that, oh, I saw Sarah made that mistake or Megan, you know, she had three clients that did that. Now I'm not going to go and try that because I already gained from their experience of doing that. So I think that's a huge part of taking the advice from somebody that has actually done it because it's very easy just to say, no, it's dangerous. It's, it's risky. Don't do it. Because if you just don't do anything, yeah, of course, you're not going to, you're not going to have any uh, negative things, but you're not going to have those positive things that you want either. Right. So I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit. And, and Sarah touched upon it a little bit about you know, how often should you check in on those you know, on your plan and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, people talk about, oh, this is my five year plan. This is my 10 year plan. This is my 20 year plan. Sometimes it feels like what's my next five minute plan? Because things are changing so often. So when you're when someone's buying a new property or acquiring a new property, it's really having that set up. So like what's what's one thing? Or a few things that you know people have to, to to take into consideration when they are making a move or saying, hey, I want to go buy another rental property, or I want to go and invest in a mutual fund, RSP, another product. How do you kind of put that all together? So the first question I ask is why. So you want to buy another property? That's awesome. Why? What's the end goal there? Is it to? And that's a great thing. Is there's so many reasons why. So for some people, it would be, well, the market here is crazy. I have kids. I'd like them to one day have somewhere to live. So I'm going to buy a place now, and then they can live there when they're 20, 25, whatever. And how does that timeline affect it? So you're saying you're going to buy this property. Well, how does that change if we were to take that same amount of money and deposit it into a mutual fund, EFT, whatever, some type of savings account. And is that the right choice? Because when you buy a rental property, you're buying a part-time job. So unless you're going to pay for it, unless you're going to pay somebody to help you with it, it's why. So you want to open an RSP. Why? Is it 
for retirement? Is it to leverage for other investment properties? Is it to save for your first house? Like why? And then we can work backwards from there. Okay. Very cool. Now, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know is that they have the ability to use their RSPs, our ESPs, tax-free savings accounts to loan out through Olympia Trust or Community Trust. Do you ever do you ever advise that that gets used for that, or do you say stick to paper assets, stick to stock, or does it depend? For me personally, I love that concept of being able to use my RSPs to loan out and decide what I want to get as a rate of return. Now there's risks to everything, but what's your advice and what's your take on that? For the most part, from what I've seen working with clients is as a strategy, I haven't really suggested to people who aren't experienced real estate investors, because you're going to be using words and strategies and terms that if you weren't in the game yourself, it's just too much. And it's, it's complicated and confusing. And that's the last thing you want to feel when you're investing a large sum of money is overwhelmed and confused. So what I've seen is people who have been in the real estate game for X number of years, and maybe they want to get out. So it's either they're deciding whether to sell a property or they're just, they're just trying to simplify their lives. Maybe they're getting close to retirement years or whatever. And it's like, okay, consider this RSP strategy where you are able to take some of your RSP money and use it as a mortgage or for somebody else or to lend it out because they can remember either going to a bank or going to a private lender and asking for money so they can kind of put themselves in both sides of the equation, which I, I think is really important because especially in real estate, it's got to be win-win or else it's not a pleasant experience. So besides calling you, but what is, if I have X amount or, you know, a lot of money in an RSP, kind of from a, from a high level, walk through the steps of saying, hey, I think I might want to use my RRSPs in, in a real estate transaction and a real estate investment. What are the steps to find out A, if it's possible, and then B, who do I talk to? Who do I call? How do I facilitate this? I think the first step would be to reach out to the financial institution where your RSPs are being held because they might have some programs and incentives right there within the institution, whether it's a credit union or one of the big five banks. And then there are people who specialize in just this. So it's kind of like going to a general doctor or going to a foot doctor. If you're, if something's wrong with your foot, I would 100% of the time pick the foot doctor over the overall general. So it's talk to the place where your money is held, see if they have programs there. And if not, go to somebody who specializes in that exact strategy because they know all the loopholes, all the red flags, all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Now, I do want to say, though, that depending on who you're talking to, they may say, oh, yeah, that's a REITs. We, you can invest in REITs and put your money in REITs. It is not the same thing as taking your money and transferring it still in an RSP over to Community Trust and Olympia Trust. So there are two different ways to do this. I think depending on who you go, they may advise you to do a REIT. Again, just have somebody that's out there that's looking for your best interest that is not making money off of how you invest, but giving you the advice regardless. 
And that's why I like the fee, the upfront fee. So how does, how does it work? So walk us through, I want to be a client or Alfonso wants to be a client. Like what, what are the steps? When do we meet? How do we meet? How often? All of that stuff. Okay. So the way that I work with clients is we have initial meeting and we just decide if I'm the right fit for you and if you're the right fit for me for what I can help you with. And when we're having that discussion, I ask questions like, how many properties do you have? Or if you don't have any properties, like what's your goal? Why? <laughs> you know, all those questions. Because some people tend to be in this HGTV dream world where they think it's like the bee's knees and it's going to be easy and nothing goes over budget and it's going to be fun. And that isn't the way it is all the time. Well, so unfortunately, are you trying to say that rentals don't take place in a half hour TV show? I don't know. I don't know about that. Megan. It looks like they do. <laughs> I know. And they always take longer than they're supposed to and more money than they're supposed to. So sometimes I'm the wrecker of dreams in those conversations, which is, I think a win-win because I'm just providing some information that they wouldn't have otherwise had had. So we have the meeting and then I go over how I work with clients. So how it is, is I go over all your savings, all your debt, all your investment properties, and I just go over how they all fit together and how, what does your tax situation look like today? And what does your tax situation look like with all these various tax strategies that we can start implementing? And then we set everything up to be automated. So whether it's your rental properties were a mess, we'll get that organized. Whether it's you should be saving for your kid's education in this type of account and you haven't been, we get that automated. So we try to automate things because the last thing, like I always say, like you don't need this stuff taking up rent in your head. I'm going to tell you about it. We're going to create a plan and then you just can forget about it. That's the goal. And if you aren't forgetting about it, that's where I can come into play again. So if you're not, you're still feeling unsure or your bank account now is kind of not, is uncomfortable because things are getting automated and taken out and you're not the one manually doing things, then that's where we can come in and tweak the plan because the whole idea is to make things easy. And the on average, this takes about three months. So we start the plan, we implement the plan, and then Everyone feels relatively comfortable within three months. And that's where I kind of say, peace out. You're on your own. I've worked myself out of a job. You know where to find me if you need help. But otherwise, you, until your goals change or anything, you're, you're set. Just keep trucking. I, I really like that. You're, you're not giving the fish. You're teaching the people how to fish, right? And then they're able to put that in their own control and, and manage that by the system that they build with you. That, that's fantastic. So I want to get I want to get into a little bit of a detail of like I know Sarah and I talk about this all the time in terms of around this time you know we're getting things ready for tax season and receipts and with different properties and different projects personal income corporate income all those different types of things um, I know you're like a, a super organized person you said you love post its and highlighters and all that kind of stuff so what are some quick tips for like somebody like me that you know is on the go a lot and there's different receipts for different projects and different things. How's like, you know, what's, what's a quick tip on those people out there that maybe aren't the most organized, but like a first step to kind of get a little bit more organized so that you're not sitting there with a shoebox or even like a banker's box full of documents and papers and receipts. And then at the end, like March, you're like, Oh my God, what am I doing? The biggest rule that I have is you need to pick a system, whether it's going to be paperless or paper based and you need to stick to it. <laughs> So 
you, it's not having a mix of both, even though I know that feels good. It's where the confusion comes in. So if you're going to be paper-based, be commit paper-based. Be the shoebox guy. That's okay. But everything is in the shoebox. Nothing's left out. Nothing is floating around in your email. Nothing's floating around in a my account area. You're paper-based. And if you're going to be paperless, that's your system. So pick a system. Don't be a hybrid of either or. And then depending on, let's say you have one property. So you have one property, you've decided to be paperless, set up an email account, which is your property's address. So if your property is 123 Pineapple Street, your email is 123 Pineapple Street at gmail.com. I promise you no one's going to have it. And everything gets dumped in there until you have time to figure it out. You're going to scan things with your phone, scan things on your scanner and email it. Just start emailing things to that email account and everything is all in one spot. Whether it's your email account or your shoebox, or maybe you want to use a platform like QuickBooks or something like that, but it's committing to the one instead of having a hybrid of everything. I love that. I love that. I'm opening up a few Gmail accounts later today. That's a great idea. <laughs> 150 of them, Alfonso. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So, so Megan, you, uh, you have so much information, knowledge. Now I'm in Oakville, you're in Thunder Bay. I'm guessing most of these meetings are going to be through an online platform. Is that correct? Yeah. So all the online meetings are with zoom or over the phone. I prefer zoom because then it allows me to see you and it, I can put a face to the, to the email, but it all depends on what people are comfortable with. But yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So Megan, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. Everybody gets the same questions asked. So first answer that comes to mind, just shout it out. Are you ready? I'm ready. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a quick moment here is Sarah Larby and I'm here with Laurel Simmons and we have some really exciting news for you. And we heard you, we heard your emails, and we are going to be bringing you Right Club Nation online, coast to coast, accessible at any time of day. And you can be in your pajamas like I am right now, and you can access our great content. And what is going to be that content, Laurel? Well, we have videos, recordings of live events that we've held. We have webinars. We have, we'll have our podcast information up there. We'll have... Uh, forums and chat groups and all kinds of things. You'll even be able to find services and products that you need in your neighborhood, local for you, because we know how important it is that you have your local team with you. We're going to be rolling things out very quickly. And as we start, you'll see more and more stuff come along and we really want you to join and become part of our online community. Absolutely. This is the first, and in my opinion, it was going to be the best Canadian online community of real estate investors and like-minded individuals. So guys, come and grow with us, join our online community, register and come and say hi and check out the amazing things. Yeah. And all you have to do is go to therightclub.com and you'll find us there. It's easy to register. It's free and hop on. We can't wait to see you there. Guys, come and grow with us. And now back to the show. All right. Question number one, Megan, what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? 
The best advice is not to hold your cards too close to your chest because you never know what expressing a concern or worry that you're having by holding it in, you'll never get it solved. Wow, that's really cool. Because yeah, internalizing it almost makes it worse when you're sharing that information with somebody else. They're like, oh, I know somebody that did that. They did just this, this, and this. That's really cool is being there, sharing it with the right people. And I don't mean the right club people, but the right people um, uh, that, that can really help you the solution. I really like that. Okay, question number two of the lightning round. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? Um, besides this podcast, you mean, or <laughs> sure, sure. We can say the podcast, but what else, what else is out there that, uh, that you like to use as a resource when you're, when you're looking at properties or you're investing in real estate or some, maybe some of your clients that you recommend, uh, when they're talking about real estate, like a resource that I, I mean, maybe not the right answer, but besides things like podcasts and, you know, searching Google for all of the things is the people that you can connect with. So the biggest resource I found is connecting with other people. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And by connecting with other people who are especially a couple steps ahead of you, it's the only way that I've gotten ahead. Absolutely. That is great advice. And like they say, right, your network is your net worth. So definitely 100% agree with that. Number three, what is the one attribute, Megan, that has made you most successful? I think the only thing that makes me successful is I'm always after win-win. If there's a situation where it's win-lose, it's not, I'm not going to go that route, which actually has been a little bit difficult for me to I have found since I started my business, I was a little bit of a people pleaser. So going from an industry where the investment company paid me, I was the mutual fund salesperson. I never had to ask people for money, which felt uncomfortable. So people pleasing has been one of my downfalls. So sticking to a win-win has always gotten me further. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, how you would, you know, you continue to build long lasting relationships because you can do a win-lose. And you'll do that one transaction and, you know, that's fine and dandy, but you know, how many one-time transactions can you do before you just run out? And you know, that reputation does, does get that actually. Yeah. Reputation and the brand is the biggest piece and also referrals, right? If somebody's happy, referrals are, uh, are definitely something that like I refer, like my mortgage broker, I'll refer my realtors like, because they are awesome to me and they do such a great job. Why wouldn't I share that? So I think same, same goes to that, right? Yeah. And, and I was actually, I was in a, a lawyer's office earlier this, or I guess last week now, signing some documents. And, you know, I looked at the, the rate that he was charging. I'm like, oh, wow, that's lower than normal because this is a one-time thing. And he goes, well, I'd rather take a little bit of money from you for the next 30 years than a lot of money just once, right? And that's that, you know, you know, putting it in that sense, that money, but again, building that relationship, that trust that it is invaluable more than any dollar amount that you can have. So yeah, I really like that. Win-win or no deal. Really good. Okay. Last question of the lightning round. You've been so gracious with your time today and this morning. It's a Sunday morning and you're recording the podcast with us, but on a typical Sunday morning, on a normal Sunday morning, Megan, what, what are you doing? What am I doing? Normally, so it's winter right now. So normally we'd be heading to the ski hill. So I got four kiddos. So getting outside is like the only way to survive a Sunday. And every Sunday we go to my in-laws for supper and we have a sauna. So every Sunday sauna day and outside most of the day. Sounds like fun. Amazing. 
So Megan, where can the Right Club Nation and our listeners find out more about you? So my favorite place to connect with people is Instagram. So my handle is at Megan CFP. I also have a free masterclass that anybody can watch. And it's all about knowing what to keep and what to toss and my best tips on staying organized. Um, that's at meganchilmutt.com slash one. That's amazing. I'm, I'm going to check that video out later today because some organization sometimes is not my strong suit in keeping everything in place. That, uh, that is key. That is key. So any last words of advice or anything else that you'd like the Right Club Nation to know? I think that by listening to the podcast already, they're doing the right things. I know that it can feel really overwhelming and a lot of anxiety to pull the trigger on your first next property. So by connecting here, I think they're already doing all the right things. Amazing. Thank you, Megan, for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. And thanks for providing all the great insight and information. So Right Club Nation, thank you as well for tuning in. So I really, really enjoyed this podcast. I thought it was tons of great information. It's really nice to see how the pieces can be put together, um, you know, even just from a, a tax perspective or an incorporating perspective or, um, you know, just everything pieced together for you to have a plan in place and understand why you're doing real estate. Because sometimes people are like, oh, this is good. I want to get rich. Yeah, you're not going to get rich quick on real estate. It's a, it's a long game for many, many and most of us. But how it incorporates the whole picture based on your goals, I think, is awesome. Absolutely. And, and the part that I liked is, you know, we're doing certain, you know, enabling certain strategies or tactics today, but really take a look back at how is it going to affect us long term. So is if it deferring taxes today, what's that impact going to have in a five years, 10 years, 20 years from now or in a year from now? Right. So it's those long term impacts of the decisions that we make today. And the other note that I wrote down that uh, or the, one of the other notes that I wrote down was, you know, a general doctor versus a specialist. So when we're talking about certain things, whether it's mutual funds or whether it's the birth strategy or whether it's rent to own or whether it's anything out there, you know, from a certain certified financial planner is make sure that you're talking to the specialist in that area. And I think she gave the example of a foot doctor versus a general practitioner. The general practitioner is going to give you some general advice. It's almost like, you know, when you do a home inspection, the home inspector is going to say, well, the electrical kind of looks a little shoddy. You might want to get an electrician, right? So he's going to give you some general or she's going to give you some general advice, but you want to work with the person that's going to give you the specialist that's going to know exactly the options and everything out there. It's impossible for us to know everything. Sarah is like the expert in the Burr strategy. I'm the expert in the rent to own strategy. There's multifamily, there's construction, there's wholesaling, there's all those different things. It's impossible for one person to be the expert in everything. Mm -hmm. That's why we bring them all together at the right club where you're going to find that specialist. You're going to find that person that is the specialist or is the expert in that one area and pick their brain and see if that's for you or for not. Or if you do want to transition or pivot into a different strategy, see where the advantages are, the disadvantages are into your current life and then make it your own journey. Absolutely. Really well said. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Alfonso, always a pleasure doing these podcasts with you and Right Club Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget also to tune in online at The Right Club because there is so much more information that uh, is at our fingertips and ability to network with one another coast to coast. And so Right Club Nation, come and grow with us. And until next week, see you soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.